football, call it here, football. <laughs> oh, right. Soccer, what's um, that? <laughs> and then for me, like, it was just really, I just always loved it. And I started teaching when I was really young. Like, I started helping out with that after-school program when I was, like, around, like, 9, 10 years old. Um, and the, because I think I was teaching, that's what kind of, like, helped them keep me in a little bit. Um, and, like, it was so close to our house that it really didn't, didn't make that much of a difference if I was still in. And I, I loved it so much that they just kind of kept me in. And how did you manage to do loads of school whilst also doing, you know, four o'clock till nine o'clock at jiu-jitsu? <laughs> well, so I wasn't the best student ever. Uh, I was always one of those kids where, like, yeah, I, I was kind of good at school in a way where I didn't need to study and I could get good grades. Mm. So my head was like, oh, if I don't, I don't have to put effort into this and I succeed, so I'll just put all my effort in something else mm -hmm. and be good at something else that way. Like, and it worked until I got to like grade 11 when things actually started getting like harder and I had to like put more effort in school. Uh, but that was kind of how I went through school. Like I never really put any like second thought into like my schooling and I never really studied seriously. And I was just always focused on like sports and like when I was in school, I was try just trying to waste time so I could go train. Like I remember there's times when I was in like 10th grade where I would like skip school to go like, like I remember this one time Cyborg came to town and I skipped like a big test just so I could do like a private with him. <laughs> um, yeah, like I was not a good student at all, but uh, like this was my passion. So I was like, you know what, if I can just, you know, be successful in this, then I'm in school, so it's fine. Um, I'm not sure kind of what the the culture is like in in Canada for, but but let's say if it was me and I and at kind of your age starting so young, saying that I'd like similar with me, it was more Muay Thai, and people didn't even really know what that is. I think mm -hmm. Jiu Jitsu, they probably wouldn't really understand. Did people your peers kind of understand what Jiu Jitsu was, or like Jeremy's just never here? He's just he's just doing Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> I fight people in <laughs> the gym. Yeah, people had no idea what, like what was happening. Like right. when I was in ninth grade, we did this really cool program. Um, which is basically like it was like a sports study, but it was like individual sports study. So what would happen was um, there's certain days of the, of the week where I would leave at lunch, I would go train, and then I would just do basically like online schooling. And then uh, the other half of the day I was at school. So my peers, they kind of looked at me, they were like, man, like, why are you never at school? Like, what's happening? And I was like, oh, I'm training, it's fine. <laughs> and I luckily like had this group of friends and um, – I had a few people who like got into jiu-jitsu as well. So they kind of knew what it was, but they were like, they didn't really understand like why I was spending so much time. And like, yeah. and then after a while, like once you get older and like people starts like seeing like, oh, okay, like this guy's like actually competing. He's like traveling. And that's when they started really mm. respecting it. But before they really didn't understand, they were just kind of like, oh, this guy's just, you know, being a bum and skipping school. And, mm. um, you know, so at first it was hard, but now it's like getting to the point where people are understanding a little bit. Uh, but even then, like jujitsu is still growing a lot in Canada. Like it's not like, you know, in California where like you can go to pretty much anyone on the street and be like, yeah, I do jujitsu and people understand. Like in Canada, it's still like very small uh, where like the most of the population don't have no idea what it is you know so it, it was really hard in the beginning but now it's getting better right slowly <laughs> were you ever bullied at school not so much like i wasn't at school a lot like i was uh yeah i was a lot of like the clown of the school were you ever honest. a bully at school i was never bullied no uh, like, that, was, that was something just now like, yeah just now. <laughs> now like okay well, no, my, my brother doesn't count so technically no <laughs> Oh. Uh, but like there's like I remember when I was younger like my my professor like kind of drilled it into her head where like like oh we don't teach bullies here so like in my head being a bully was like like horrible like mm. you never no, wanted to be a bully yeah, yeah. you know like I would mostly get in trouble because <laughs> like I would just have the dumbest ideas ever like, oh like I remember yeah we're not gonna get into my dumb ideas but yeah that was no, let's, let's go to the dumb idea what was the uh is there anything that always comes up in family stories like I can't believe Jeremy did that got into trouble for that <laughs> there's a lot um, you want the PG you want the PG-13 yeah. you want the R <laughs> so I'll tell the one that's like the the crazy story and that was like in grade six in grade six I had to take 10 days off at school because um, <laughs> me and my buddy, we went to the park and we found this like piece of crutch 
uh, and like I don't know if you know, like at the end of Pizza Crush, crush there's like you walk with. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's like a rubber piece at the end. Yeah. And we had just found like the metal bar and then piece of crutch. And we were like, you know what? Our goal is to get this rubber piece off. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Seemed to be a good idea at the time. And we were like, you know what? Let's do it. So we're at the park and we're smashing it on the ground, doing whatever. And then I kind of just give up and I'm like, you know, I'm done with this. I take it and I just smash it on the ground. It bounces up, hits me in the eye. I had to get like laser surgery. Like oh, my geez. retina was like all messed up. <laughs> So I had to like spend like 10 days just like in my bed, like in bed rest. Oh my days. Uh, and then I go Think back. about what you've done. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <so bad. laughs> I'm like a passionate, like went back to school and like I had to get like a bunch of work done and like, so I like walked in that like that. And everyone was like, what the fuck did you do? Who's this guy like, thinks he's a fucking pirate? Like, yeah, that, that's <laughs> like when it comes to like the great idea like jeremy's mm. great ideas that's definitely the first is that the only time you've had to have surgery yeah um no <laughs> no i had my collarbone as well uh how did you do that <laughs> another crutch now <laughs> you keep attacking him <laughs> it's a little bit worse than a crutch um basically kendall might agree with this um i'm a little i can be how can i say a little bit extra sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So I was playing. <laughs> I was uh, playing cards with my family, and I was sitting at the uh, edge of the bed, and uh, I had just won the game. Yeah. And I got really excited, and I went, "Yay!" <laughs> and I lifted my hands, and I fell off the bed, and broke my collarbone. Uh, <laughs> All for being a sore winner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. Humble in victory. Broke the collarbone. <laughs> yeah. Instant karma. Universe is like, you're too powerful right now. Sit down. <laughs> yeah. I think I was like six or five. Oh, five, wow. six. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. That was my other surgery. But not, no. I never got hurt playing sports. <laughs> I always got hurt doing like, other things. Playing with a crutch. Yeah. Playing crutch or like. <laughs> playing crutch. It became a great game after that. It's played all over Canada. <laughs> yeah, I think. I don't know. Like, I don't know. The founder. We have him here today, yeah. folks. The founder of the crutch. Yeah. <laughs> Crutch jitsu. Crutch jitsu. Let's go. Yeah. So that's yeah. I had a lot of great ideas when I was a kid. So you, you were telling me that when you were going up through um, through the sport, like they didn't have kind of different belt grades for kids. So you just basically stayed a white belt for like ages. Yeah. So what it was, it was like basically we had like two different programs. Like in the kids program, it was like traditional jiu-jitsu, but it wasn't like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, so like it's not like where it is now like now example like you look on the wall there's like a bunch of belts for the kids there's like gray yellow orange green and we it's not that we didn't have it but i guess in canada we just never like used it yeah. uh so for me like i stayed at white belt like nine years and a half uh like almost 10 years wow. and like it was like super long and it got to the point where the only reason why um i actually like moved up was because i went to fight a kid's pans and like the way the belts was it was like that's when the system actually started. And we, we looked and we're like, well, I'm like a white belt. But on here it says that like, if you've been training longer than two years, you need an orange belt. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm an orange belt. So I went to like, I, I fought a kid's pants. I, I wore an orange belt. And then the next year I went to go do worlds, but I couldn't just put my white belt back on because I had already registered a like orange or green belt. Mm. So then I had to, to get promoted. And that's basically when like all the belts started coming in. And then at that point, my professor was like, you know what, we should probably start doing the belt system. Uh, so now in Ottawa, the, the belt system's back. But yeah, it's, that, yeah. Well, it's a bit of an interesting case study, isn't it? Because like, especially at Gracie Baja, the, the idea is that they kind of get a stripe pretty much every month if they kind of train consistently. Um, yeah. And, and I guess the theory behind it is that kids, they just need like a little bit more of a kind of a steadier progression plan where they can see use that positive reinforcement adults yeah. need it too you yeah. know same reason why like back in the day you might stay a white belt with those stripes for four years and mm. now we give stripes and well the newer kind of more modern schools but it was the same yeah. when i was a kid too in california right. it was the same we had like it was like white it was the it was white yellow orange green but you had to be 10 to get your orange belt and 13 to get your green belt so if me i started training at five i had a yellow belt like I only got one belt in five years, wow. right? So when I was, I don't, I think I was nine, myself and another one of the students 
he had an older brother who got his orange belt and I had a, the professor's daughter was my training partner. She got her orange belt. They got, they turned 10 before us. They got their orange belts and me and it was me and Daniel. And we were like so mad because we went toe to toe with them all the time. We were like eight or nine yeah. and we we're like, how come we're still yellow belts? I have a yellow belts for three years. Like as kids, you know, it's yeah. so competitive. And, uh, <laughs> he actually got custom made yellow slash orange belt, orange belts for us. We had never seen them before. Uh, yeah. And we had like yellow slash orange belts, like half and half or no, like a stripe in the middle or something. And, uh, got those belts and it was like for us it was the first ones we've ever seen it felt so important but i was like yeah i got a new belt i was still mad i didn't have an orange belt though i was pissed <laughs> i was like wait till i'm 10 i'm gonna get that orange belt <laughs> so it's changed a lot but mm. most kids don't survive through that that's yeah, why the kids programs yeah. were so small mm. but now the kids programs can flourish because kids are able to feel that positive reinforcement of their actions so mm. yeah in a world where let's say that kind of that positive reinforcement didn't exist like you like you guys come from what is it that keeps someone like a kid in jiu-jitsu is it that they're just naturally kind of genetically predisposed to wanting to do jiu-jitsu or has it been a, a a nurture kind of thing where they've met the right kind of people they've had the right experiences and and that is the thing that keeps them in i honestly think it's a mix of a lot of things one the environment is a big big factor in it you know like for me like what was giving me a lot of graf gratification was the different classes I could do. So like, yeah, I was always kind of like a strong kid. So when I got to the point where I was beating all the kids in the kids program, then I could train with the adults. And that's what I really found cool. It's like, oh man, I get to like fight adults now. And that's what like really kept me excited. And then there's like the advanced kids program. It's like, oh, now I'm part of like the cool kids. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's kind of how I kept pushing it. And also competition, you know, I always loved competing. And it was really cool to like get to compete a lot, especially at a young age. Like I also played like a bunch of different sport, but I never had like such a team environment, but also in an individual sports setting, if that makes sense. Where like, you know, like we would travel as a team, but then when you're on the mat, you're fighting alone. And that's really what I found. Like I really fell in love with uh, the competition side of jujitsu. And I think that's really what kept me going. Like, if I didn't compete, I don't think I would still be doing jiu-jitsu right now. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that's not for everyone. You know, the, but, you know, my professor, like, my professor Nick really was also a big factor in, like, why I'm still, I'm still where I am now, you know. Uh, what was it about him that you think made him such a great instructor that had such a, obviously, meaningful impact on you? Him bullying me was, like, a Bullying you. <laughs> yeah. Him bullying me uh, and, like, allowing me to, help the kids classes mm. you know when i got to a point where you know i was a big kid so you would like use me like i remember we would teach like the the tiny tigers that's what we they would <laughs> call it at the time where it was like the three four five year olds and you know i was you know i wasn't that much older than those kids like i was nine ten years old but just the fact that i could you know show something to them was like had really, responsibility yeah it was yeah. really cool to me and it's like then after a while i was like okay well now it's like you may not be leading the class but at least you know you're helping the instructor <laughs> like it, it wasn't always like me teaching but it was all always like i was always on the mat like helping them and you know I, after a while i was helping with the after school program where like <laughs> there was like one year where they picked me up and i like didn't train i was just literally just there to, to help the kids program um and that really helped me as well with like uh, he gave me a lot of responsibility to build myself into the instructor i am today um and i think that's you know that's one of the reasons i love him for sure um and he just made me laugh so much like <laughs> oh, man so many stories with nick for sure man. Yeah. i want to talk to you more about your instructor in a little bit but at what point did it kind of dawn on you you wanted to do jiu-jitsu as a kind of a career was there ever a point where you were younger and you're like oh i want to do this as a, as a man at all or Yes, I would say like I played a bunch of different sports as a kid. Like I would, I would do like I played like competitive hockey, soccer, football. I played a lot of things, and there's a lot of times where I didn't know which sport I wanted to choose for like my career, I guess. Um, and then in 2016, I started really winning pretty much everything in Canada, and I had talked to my professors, and I was like, "Listen, like you know, I think I want to do this, but I'm not sure." And they were like, "Well, okay." And they're like, go to kids' pants and see, you know, see how you do. And that's when the whole belt thing came in. And orange and green belt at the time was like the highest division. I was like, those were the killers. You know, the, there's like other teammates that went and they fought like gray or yellow belt. And they still did very good. But the orange and green belt was like, that was like the highest level. 
It's like a kid black belt. It yeah, still is like yeah. that now. It's like a child uh, black belt, yeah. And then uh, I fought. And well, you'd never fought anyone like that before. No, right? never. you'd always been white belt. Like, I had always fought like the, the same guys basically around Canada because like mm. the scene was very small. Right. Uh, so then I go to Kit's Pans and I forget William Tackett. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. And <laughs> William, like, it was a good fight. He'd be me for sure. I, I, I think he choked me. I can't remember. It's been so long. But I remember after the fight, like, he basically smashed everyone in the division. And they came up to me and he was like, man, like, your technique's awesome. And, like, <laughs> we, we, like, talked a bit. And I was like, man, like, like this guy is, like, this guy's really good. And he's like, tell me I'm good, too. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess I can do this. Like, I got this. Um, yeah. And that's really what helped me a lot. Yeah. That's really cool, man. And then uh, at what point did you... Um... Did you really feel like, oh, this is this can be like a career of, of what I'm doing? It was after Kids Pans. Uh, Kids Pans, like, my mom came with me, and, like, the whole idea was to see, like, you know, am I really one of those top guys, or am I just an athletic kid that can yeah. beat up other kids? You know, and that's when I went to Kids Pans, I realized really, like, man, this is amazing. Like, you went, and the Kids Pans was in the pyramid. Were you 14? I, you must have been, right? I was... I was still 14, but I was turning 15 in December. Mm-hmm. So I was like one of the youngest ones. I think it was in February. So I had just turned 14. I think the division was like 14, 15 year olds. I, I can't remember. Um, but I was always, I was like the youngest one in that division. And it was like, man, it's like these guys are really good. And I want to be not like them, but like then you kind of look at the pyramid there's like all the sponsors around there's so many people in the venue and then i remember went to uh professor sean williams gym and i was like man like you know i love traveling like i love doing this and i want to do this pretty much forever uh and then the following year like i went to worlds and after that like i I just never stopped i Mm. that was that's really when i like got clicked and i i remember there was like a time where i told my parents i'm like yeah like i'm gonna do this forever and they're like all right Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I imagine they were pretty supportive after they've they've seen you put in so many like countless hours over all those years, right? Yeah, yeah, they they're a really big reason why you know I am where I am. You know, it's like they they helped me a lot understand that like you know at first it was a sport. So at first, like my parents were very like education comes first, mm. and at first that's what it was like it was only a sport. <laughs> but once I decided to really choose to make in my life they they you know they've helped me and you know they're the reason i am who i am today uh they're the reason why you know i'm a candle the reason you know they've helped me out out so much over the years like i, I can't thank them enough you know that at the end of the day they're the reason i started jujitsu because they put me in mm. you know um so yeah my parents have been have they amazing. ever stepped onto the mats as well and done some <laughs> jiu-jitsu with you so my mom trained two classes and I remember I trained one class with her and she triangled me. And then I think, yeah, she triangled me and in the middle of the triangle, she like punched me in the nose and I like gave me a bloody nose. Combat jiu-jitsu. Yeah. She, She's ahead of the time. Yeah, trained with her once, gives me a bloody nose and then like never trained again. Uh, but I'm trying to get them back into it now. But. Just trying to, trying to get back at your mom. You're like, I'll get you next time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, honestly, that's probably what it is i remember there's a time where like my, i think i was like 13 or 14 but like my dad went to go throw me in the pool and i'm like <laughs> and then i like got on his back and like somehow ended up in no and then he was just kind of like what the fuck is that <laughs> he was like change your mind i'm never doing this again You're like, i'm so, the captain now they're so, in, <laughs> they're so in tune with things though like they've done a really good job at like staying informed and involved in jiu-jitsu like the reason we met they like helped him go to this camp in mexico and then we met there and then when he said he was moving out to be with me they were like really excited and i was in touch with his mom and like they're really plugged in even though they don't train so it's really yeah. cool yeah they're they're for sure like my biggest fans and that's <laughs> you know that's yeah, yeah. I, I just can't thank them enough. They're they're amazing for sure. That's an amazing one. Yeah. And then kind of tell me the story that led to, led to you kind of leading to being here. So when did the catalyst of that start? Okay, so here like in Europe? Here in Europe, yeah. Okay, so basically what happened was uh, I spent the last, from June to December, uh, I spent six months in California. And before that, I spent uh, a couple months in Houston uh, and had, you know, a crazy 
life things that happened there. So And that was your first extended time in the States. Yeah, like I hadn't visited, but you hadn't it was my first time like away from home, mm -hmm. basically for a long period of time. Like I went and the pandemic hit, like the the whole like restrictions in Canada were really, really big. So it basically until like August there was nothing at the gym. And then August twenty twenty things started to open up uh in the States. And basically, I told my professor, I was like, listen, like, you know, I want to go compete again. Like, things are opening up. Like, I, I want to go out there. And he's like, okay. Well, I needed to make money if I wanted to go to the States. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to run a 10-week kids camp. I'll run it alone, and I'll use the money, and then after that, I'll go to the States. And he was like, okay, cool. So I did 10 weeks of camp, and as anyone... Nine to five yeah, with, like, nine to five kids alone. Like, yeah, it was, that was crazy. And... Uh, after that camp, I was just kind of like tired of everything. Like there was the restrictions. That was like a big part of it. Like we had to like have a secret notch to get into the gym. And then <laughs> it was just a lot of like stress and pressure. So then in September, I was like, okay, I'm going to go for 10 days. I was supposed to leave 10 days to go to Houston. I was supposed to do uh, Oklahoma City Open, then fly to Houston, train at Greasy Baja West Chase, uh, just to help me like get ready in between Oklahoma City and Pan Am's. Then I was supposed to go back home. That was like the original plan. And then I got there and, you know, luckily Professor Upiano, like one of the first days, he's like, hey, man, do you want to stay longer? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> why not? So then I ended up staying there two months and then I went back home and then <clears throat> I drove down in February, had some car problems. So then I had to go back home in May and I was like really kind of upset with that because I had just spent like five months training at the best gym in the world you know I was trained with like Professor Pedro who's you know Pedro Mourinho you know double gold and Draculino uh, yeah it's just the best the best guys in the world and I really fell in love with being an athlete and I just didn't want to go back home like I was supposed to go back home and uh help my friend do this pool installing business so I was supposed to like work this like labor job all summer and I just like didn't want to do it so then I like basically like Googled, like, I had someone tell me that there's, like, this Gracie Baja job website or something. So I just Googled, like, Gracie Baja jobs. And then I saw, like, Gracie Baja Newport Beach. And I was like, wait a minute. I, think I didn't even know this ad was running, by the way. I had yeah. no idea it existed. I was like. Or this, like, job posting. Mm, I was like, wait. I think, I think I knew. So I, like, wait, that's, that's Professor Kendall's school. <laughs> I met her in Mexico. So I like we met like one day, and when I met him, I thought he was a little punk too. I didn't yeah. think. <laughs> we talked like, Canadian punk. <laughs> yeah, we talked for literally two minutes. I was like, who's this Canadian like eighteen year old kid? And like, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And I sent her the screenshot of the, uh, of the of the job, and I'm like, hey, like, you guys still need help? And she was like, yeah. How soon can you be here? I'm like. Well, uh, I have a two weeks quarantine. Uh, give me like two weeks to get my things together and I can be there in four weeks. She was like, cool. Let me know when you book your flight. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like sick. Yes. It and was then, perfect timing for us. We were really in need of someone. We had just lost somebody. We needed somebody. It was like everything was exactly. So as soon as he reached yeah. out, I was like, when can you come? Like, come over. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And like at the time, I was like super upset because I thought I was going to work a labor job. But then I have this job. Well, where you were like, still in Texas. Yeah, I was but still he in knew Houston. he had to go home. Mm, yeah. So he was like, shoot, what am I going to do? He's like, well, I'm in Texas. I got to go home. I got to do this. I got to work for two weeks, make money. And then I'll come back. And I was like, all right, see you when you get here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I remember when I went to Kids Pens, like I was driving around uh, Los Angeles with my mom. And I told her, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to live here one day. And she was like, okay, cool. Like, whatever. <laughs> so I got, you're, fucking, you're crazy. But okay. And like, when I hit a hit up Ken, I was like, wait. I'm actually gonna land at LAX. Like, Picked yeah. him up, went to In and Out. It was great. Yes, <laughs> yeah, important first stop. Yes, spent six months of getting bullied by Kendall and Professor Saul, and <laughs> you know, is is. Well, he started working too in the schools yeah. right away. He's a great program director, a great coach, and just wanted to kind of do all the jobs and like learn everything. That was really exciting to me because I, everyone wants to be an athlete, but before you can make a living as an athlete, like you got to figure out what you're gonna do, and he was always the kind of person who was like, like I knew it was gonna be a good fit because when we talked on the phone about him coming, he wasn't like, how many exact hours, where exactly am I staying? How much exact, what is my exact schedule? And to be fair, those are fair questions. Yeah. But in the jujitsu world, like sometimes you don't know. I, I was just like, look, 
look, we're going to take care of you. I don't know exactly. We have four, we have three schools about to open a fourth one. I don't know exactly what things will look like, but you're going to be taken care of. Yeah. Just get here. We'll figure it out. And he was like, yeah. okay. And I was like, all right, it's a good fit. And then he got there. He did a bunch of different things, was teaching privates and was like, figured out how to have a great life for himself there. Volunteer. Because, because he was, <laughs> yeah, because he was willing to um, just kind of like figure it out and like do whatever it took. Like when he yeah. says he went home and did, or before he went to, to Texas, and he was like, yeah, I did 10 weeks of kids camps. It's like most people are not willing to do 10 weeks of nine to five with 45 kids by themselves just to make money to pay for a flight to get to the States and like be here and have a new experience. That's like, that's why so many people who say they want to do what they want to do. It's, you know, it's not that we don't want to hear that people are inspired or get excited for them, but it's more like, okay, well show me like, cause we mm -hmm. hear hundreds of people tell us that all the time. And so when he was like, yeah, I'll come, I don't care. What do you, I'll sleep on the mats. I'll do this. I'll, I'll do that. I was like, all right, come over. We'll figure it out. And now he's one of like the most important people in my life. You know, it happened really fast. So, yeah. You know, like for me, it was really like, you know, I had lived this crazy experience in Houston where, you know, I was surrounded by the best athletes in the world and the best jiu-jitsu competitors in the world. And that was really focusing on the athlete part of it. And, you know, I always loved being like an instructor as well. And I had been like, I've been, you know, in the business for so long where like I started when I was six. So I've seen a lot of things and I've been on the mats for so long. And then when I got to California, I was literally like, yeah, I'm broke. Like, I don't care. I'll do anything. And like, it was really cool to have the opportunity to learn something else than just, you know, how to, you know, do jujitsu and like how to teach. Like at the time we like, we needed some, like someone to take care of like the memberships and the program directing. And I was just like, like man, I've never done that before, but you know, it's like, it's part of the jujitsu world. And, you know, if you want to own the school one day or, you know, it's like, it's a big part of it. So I wanted to learn like right away. And this is know, like one big internship. Yeah, basically. Like the way <laughs> one I looked giant at it, internship. The way I looked at it was like, so I graduated high school in January 2020. It's like I kind of looked at it as like, well, you know, I may not be going to university, but you know, this was my schooling. And so I spent six months in California, learned a bunch of things, you know, met amazing people who were like, you know, not best friends. And then did well competitively too, like won on fight to win and did a bunch of really cool stuff. So it was great. And then after that, I went back home and it was supposed to be only for the holidays. Um, and then we were supposed to, we had planned this like crazy trip across the country the, road trip. Yeah, yeah, I like, was over training at PSF for the Daisy Fresh guys. He was going to drive down, meet me there. We were going to drive across country, yeah. uh, but we ran into some visa issues. So now we're reworking on that. Yeah, <laughs> I was like... I basically like, took all my money. Like I was like, you know what? Like I need a car, so I put like all my money down. I bought a car, and I was like, okay, I'm driving. Like let's go. And uh, and then you know, unfortunately, that didn't that didn't work. We had some visa complications, and then after that, you know, at the time, the the restrictions in Canada were still very big. You know, everything was still locked down. So I was like, man, like I can't, I can't really train. I can't do this. Like, you know, what am I gonna do? <laughs> but I had this trip planned, and literally, yeah. he's calling me. We're talking about all these problems because he's supposed to meet me. We literally it was like the day of, like, or the two days before. He's like, yeah, I can't come, and so I'm rebooking all my flights because now I'm not doing a road trip. I don't have a car. I have all these seminars booked, so I'm flying around. But immediately, I was like, book a flight to the UK. I'm gonna go there for three weeks. You're coming with me <laughs> because <laughs> you want to go to Europe. I'm like. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was like, you can't come here, but we can go there because you're going to be depressed because <laughs> you can't train, you can't work, you can't do anything. I was yeah. like, I'm going to go there for a couple of weeks. You're coming with me. I'll get you on the Grapple Fest card. We'll compete. It's going to be great. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, let's do it. And then basically, <laughs> I like set up like this camp for here. You know, I was like, <laughs> went a few times to go train with my friend uh, at my friend's place and like I basically an hour in the country and I was training at like in his like garage slash ranch with like a full CrossFit gym inside and like some mats and like it was it was really cool and special the, knock to get in again yeah like we yep. had we basically like it was my first training camp back home in like over a year so that was really cool as well to to be back and then now I'm here 
Well, and you were able to put it together because we had we had done a lot of different training camps in yeah. California. So basically, he went back to Canada and was like, okay, I know how to do this now. Let me put yeah. together a camp for myself. So it, it's really special to see these things develop because mm. not only was he doing that for himself, but now he's modeling that for all the guys he trains with, right? And it just kind of elevates everybody involved. Yeah. It sounds like, sometimes it sounds like a little bit like pretentious, or not, pretentious is not the right word, but like almost like, a, like I'm so humanitarian, like that kind of thing. But it really is like bigger than just us. Like everything that we do ripples into yeah. like everybody else. So it was really cool to see him do that for himself and then everybody else. And then come yeah. over here and meet me. And man, we haven't trained since December. So we met here at the end of February and in a short two months, um, he was a completely different athlete, like yeah. totally different athlete, like just absolutely incredible, like progress in eight weeks. And so really, yeah. really excited for him. It was like, it, it was really cool. Cause it was like, Back in Canada, like the, the Nogi scene, it's not that it's not big. Like, you know, there's amazing schools like, you know, TriStar, 10th Planet. But in Canada, there's still a lot of tournaments. Like, most tournaments, there's no heel hooks. So the heel hook game is, like, very small. So in a very short short period of time, I had to, like, you know, luckily I have really good training partners back home. And we basically just, like, train like crazy. And, you know, I like, thankfully I had... <laughs> Professor Sowell's like login for BJ Fanatics and just kind of like <laughs> yeah. I just sat down like I, I caught COVID like the second day of my training camp and I was just like wow oh, damn it so I just like literally watched all of the instructionals and then after that I just built a game and then uh, came here. Well, so, I think yeah. you had a taste of what it was like to be a real professional full time athlete yeah. while he was in California because um, he was there like to be an athlete and to to train. So when he went home, even as things changed, maintained that discipline of like, okay, now I know what this feels like. I don't care where I am. I know how to recreate this with whatever circumstances I right. have. Yeah. Um, and not many people are able to do that. So it was really impressive. Yeah. yeah. The other big thing too is like, I, I've always been like a big gi guy. I was never like no gi. Like, I think, you know, I started really training seriously no gi when I was like training at West Chase a bit. But even then I was like 50-50. But then when I got to California, I trained a lot of no gi, but then I did like, you know, I fought worlds. So I did like the camp for gi. And then I just told myself, I was like, hey, like we're coming, I'm coming back in January and we're doing like a big camp for ADCC West Coast Trials. So I was like, okay, like this year, 100% no gi. So then when I got back home, I was like, oh, like they're doing this camp for West Coast. Like I can't be here and like, you know, not get better and just like focus on gi and then go back and like kind of be mm. stuck behind, like stuck in the path. Like that was something I really didn't want to do. So mm. I kind of like, you know, thankfully have like a great team, like not just back home, but in Newport Beach as well. That really helped me. Like Professor Kendall helped me a lot. Professor Saul, like, I, and I was like texting Saul, like, hey, like, mm -hmm. what are you working on this week? <laughs> so we're doing a camp over in California. He's basically yeah, recreating yeah. it on the East Coast yeah. in Canada, having his guys help him. Um, yeah, and it was really, really yeah. cool. Yeah, that was, that was really cool. It was a bit crazy at first, but, you know, we made it. So it, it was, it was really, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. Awesome. You know, I wanted to touch on one of the first things you said there, which was, you know, the, one of the first times you, well, it was like you'd left home, like, properly. Mm. For a lot of people, that's going to university, right, that first time they left home. And if it was, let, let's say, one of your mum's friends and their kid was, you know, same age yeah. as you and they're going to university, they'd be super proud, right? But we all know that first year of university is going out, getting smashed, you know, yeah. <laughs> drinking, going on the binge. Um, whereas, where, and but the person would seem very, oh, that's an amazing thing to do to go to university. However, when your mum would say, oh, my son's gone to Texas to go fight a load of guys, they'd be like, oh, that's strange. <laughs> that sounds like he's going down a dark path. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, but yeah. in reality, like, what you're doing is so much like on a different high level. There's just still, I think, a misconception around honestly you know, a lot of people like not that they judge me but they like didn't understand because i had saved up that money from the summer camps i think i had saved up like a couple thousand but uh you know and i basically stayed in texas and i was like not making i was making zero money i was just like training and that's like the part where people found crazy we're like man like not only you're not in a university, you don't have a job, you're just like training. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Yeah. And it's like people saw that and they, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, like you need to make a lot of money. It's like, no, like, yeah, you know, my professor says this a lot of times. It's like hard times build strong men. Well, 
like I was like broke, like living on like, you know, like uh, my friend's floor basically, where I have like a little mattress. Just draining your savings yeah, with just, like no money. Yeah, I had like no money, like, you know, financially, it's very smart decision. It was great, <laughs> uh, you know, but I was just basically like wasting, not wasting all my money, but I was, I would say. Well, it was draining down and yeah. you knew there was gonna run out. Yeah. And he couldn't work because he's in the States coming mm. from Canada, so he can't work. Yeah. And that's why, like, I went home, made a little bit more money, and then went back. <laughs> yeah. And that's really just, like, I just made enough money to survive. Like, like the, the jiu-jitsu diet, like Get the, the, the chicken, beans, and <laughs> rice. Like, that's that's what it was. And, you know, and that was a really cool part because that was, I never had experienced that. Like, I never trained full-time. I was training at night, but I never trained, like, during the day. I was at school. And... I like that was really the first time where I was a full time athlete, and that part was really cool. That part, that's really what I fell in love with. Well, and it teaches you also like I had a, a lot of athletes have a period of time like that. I had a period of time like that too, and it teaches you a lot about money management. It teaches you how to live within your means, especially if your parents have been supporting you your whole life, which most people it's that's the case, right? So it teaches you a lot about money management. It teaches you what you really need and mm -hmm. like what the essentials really are. But more than that, I found for myself, and I know for him too, is it really like it shows you whether or not you really want it. Yeah. Because if it's not comfy anymore, then you learn really quickly if it's actually what you want to do. Because a lot of people find out very fast. It's like, oh, actually, I don't like this as much as I thought, you know? Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing about that is that even then when you do start doing better financially, like for example, with me, then once things started doing better financially for me, if I would have really hard training days or if I would start to doubt my capabilities or things like that, I always had that proof. I was like, mm -hmm. no, because I was willing to do it when the circumstances were like this and I still loved my life. So I know like I have that proof of concept that this is going to work for me, you yeah. know? So that was a really, really mm -hmm. impactful time. I think it was like most, I, I, I think that uh, people in general, like you said, like tough times make strong men or strong women, strong uh, men, yeah, strong people, strong people, right? <laughs> We're just, we have all, everyone's included, uh, and and in life in general, but especially to be an athlete in a sport where it is not like you sign a million dollar contract. You need to know that you really want to do it, and you yeah, don't know yeah. until you're tested. You think you know, but until you're tested, you just don't know for sure. So yeah. I think another aspect too is like. I was loving it when I was broke. And then that really showed me, it's like, man, it's like, yeah, okay, this is a little bit hard when I'm broke, but imagine if I can make money through this. Mm. Now I'm doing what I love and I'm making money through something that I love. Like that's what was like really opened my eyes and was like, okay, like, yeah, like this is what I want to do every single day. And like, that's why like when I went to California, it, yes, it was a lot of like the first few months, like I wasn't, like I, I slowed down my training a little bit to really make sure I was focusing a lot on like learning the, yeah, all the, the parts of business and, and like a big internship, like we said, you know? Yeah. And that way it was like, man, it's like, you know what? That's that part. You, you might be slowing down your training, but that part's essential for you to like to be one day where she is now, mm -hmm. you know? And that's really what like opened my eyes to, to becoming like, you know, to, to doing jujitsu. It's hard uh -huh. though. It's hard though too. Like we said with parents, like, you know, his mom's like telling her friend, like, oh yeah, Jeremy's over there doing this. He doesn't yeah. have any money. Like all those things. It's, uh, it's hard. It's almost like you ever hear like people say like, don't date for potential. Like you don't, you don't like date a guy and you're like, oh, well one day he's going to like make a lot of money. You know, like you tell your mom like, oh, well he's going to be a famous athlete one day. All those kinds of things. Like, but, but when you can surround yourself with people who have already walked that path, mm -hmm. then it becomes a reality and it mm -hmm. becomes possible. And then you can really see. So he did that in Texas. He did that in California. And then he went back to Canada and was like showing that to other people too. And so again, that ripple effect gets bigger and bigger where it's like, let's get a little bit more, like, let's stop glamorize, glamorizing, romanticizing, glamorizing, like being a broke athlete forever yeah. like yes it's important to go through that but surround yourself with people who have moved on to the next section of their life and persevered through that so that you have that proof of like okay i can do this and and i have someone to help figure out how then talking to your parents is a little easier right yeah. <laughs> and then like talking to friends or whatever is a little bit easier to do because you actually university is a proven path like worldwide globally it's like you do this you get a job you make money you have a family you're done jujitsu is not 
not a proven path the way that like soccer, football, soccer, you know, other sports are. Even then people think of it as a pipe dream, right? But at mm -hmm. least it's like, oh, well, this person's rich and famous. So there's a possibility. Jiu-Jitsu, no one really knows that yet. So mm -hmm. we have to have people around us yeah. that help us stay motivated and inspired. But also we can point to the people that are important in our life and like, no, no, this is really a, a, a viable career path. Like, look who's doing it, X, Y, Z. You know, so that's that's a big, it seems, it's very important. It seems that side of things is going through such a, a big development stage yeah. right now. Because yeah. I think before it was like, become a great athlete, open a school, do really well. Yeah. And now it's like, then it was like, become a great athlete, make an instructional do really well mm -hmm. yeah. and now it's like gone rhymes between sponsored 100, 100 grand yeah. right it's like be a great athlete get sponsored loads right yeah and uh, like, hopefully it'll keep going like along those lines where mm -hmm. you know people can make you know retirement money yeah. by the time they need to retire yeah. as an athlete and yeah. also learning how to be really diverse like doing other projects like mm. when i was a purple belt the idea of a sponsor paying me a thousand dollars a month for something i couldn't even I, I was like for what why like why would they do that you know <laughs> like yeah give me the money but yeah. like why yeah. you know and now it's like and then the idea of having multiple brands doing that it's like it's so wild to me but then it's like learning when you go through that really hard time of what do you really need to survive and like you know spending money on things you like obviously like rewarding yourself with things like that but how do we put money in savings how do we start investing at a young age do we think about buying real estate when that becomes a viable option or getting together with three people and doing it do we think about like i'm about to create an nft uh instructionals like he and i are going to make a mm. kids instructional he's a purple belt well, he'll be a brown belt soon but he's a purple belt purple belts don't make instructionals that do well right <laughs> typically yeah. but instead of saying hey I know you're really good at lasso. He could do a great lasso instructional that would blow others out of the water, but it wouldn't sell because he doesn't mm -hmm. have a name yet. But can he do a kids games instructional with me? I have a little bit more of a name that helps it sell. He's doing the whole thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not yeah. doing it. I'm just doing it with him. And then he can start to be more financially sta stable. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. these are the kinds of things where it takes a little bit of creativity, but if you want it, the opportunity is there yeah. for the people yeah. that are going to fight for it. I mean, like you with your won't. apparel stuff as well, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah apparel. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Merchandise, yeah. like yeah. all these different things, but diversify yourself because, man, what happens yeah. when you get hurt? Yeah. I had an injury in October of 2020, 2021, whatever. No, 2020. And I couldn't compete for like five months. I was used to, you know, making like three to five grand a month just off of if I was going to do a fight or not or yeah. something like that. And I couldn't have that income anymore. Luckily, my life doesn't depend on that income, but for a lot of people it does. Mm. So we have to diversify for those times and yeah. save for also for when those times come. Like I have savings. I don't need to go fight this month. You see so many athletes go and fight when they're hurt or when they're not training well or when they're just not happy, they're not stable yeah. just because they need to pay the bills. And so if you start now building up yeah. your career then once he's a black belt competitor he's not gonna have to worry about that and mm. that's what sets you apart because yeah. when you can do that you can train happier you live a better lifestyle and in my opinion you perform better as a result anyway yeah. how yeah. accessible is that kind of like all the things you've talked about there that you know it's, it's education it's not knowledge how accessible is that for an upcoming athlete that's, do they know about that or that's is, the amazing who teaches part you of, that that's the amazing part about jiu-jitsu like there's this big misconception in jiu-jitsu where, like, you're broke until you're a black belt. And, like, jiu-jitsu... black belts are still broke. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's... The amazing part about jiu-jitsu compared to, like, you know, I don't know about football, but, like, hockey, for example. It's like, I can't just go and, you know, hit up Wayne Gretzky on Instagram and be like, hey, Wayne, do you want to go play some hockey? It's like, no, like that would never happen. Or like Sid Crosby or like the top level guys, I'll never be able to do that. In jiu-jitsu, you have that chance where you can literally like, example, like, you know, Professor Kendall or P Professor Pedro, like, you know, you can surround yourself with the best people in the world. And like, you know, I strongly believe that like if you surround yourself with four successful people, you'll become the fifth. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of jiu-jitsu where like, you know what, like Kendall's doing all these things. Well. I can just put my flight to California, yeah. go train at Gracie Baja Newport Beach, and right. I'll be with Kendall every day. Well, and and there's different pathways, right? <sighs> we happened to meet at a camp, and then he happened to reach out, and I was like, I met this kid one time. But I was like, he was like, I'll come and just for free, I'll leave at the mat, like whatever, I'll volunteer my time, whatever you need me to do. And I was like, all right, let's see how it goes. Like, come out, right. and then we'll test it out. Like, no promises, but like, let's see how it goes. Make yourself available and 
basically, you know, do what you can to learn. But there's a lot of different examples. Not everyone will see your DM. Not everyone will say yes. But you have to, like, like in my opinion, shoot you never shot. know. Shoot your shot. Like, you never know what experience is going to give you the next opportunity or connection that you need. Like, right. in 2018, late 2017, early 2018, I was absolutely dead broke as a purple belt absolutely dead broke and I like somehow made it over to the UK and I traveled around and I met a bunch of people like literally was going to like Sainsbury and getting like cans of beans and that was my dinner like broke <laughs> and um and I made some of the most important connections of my life because I had done that and now those are the kind of connections where now in 2022 I'm back in the UK and as so many of the people I met are like, can I have you for a seminar? Can I make, not just can I have you for a seminar, but can I make sure I pay you really well and I set up privates for you and I do this because they know me and I made that connection. Whereas if I hadn't gone out of my way to do that and I could have easily just stayed home and I missed the Nogi worlds, I missed out on some other stuff to do that, I wouldn't have the same opportunities. So, but another example is like, when I was having a hard time with figuring out stuff as like a brown belt, and oh, I was a brand new black belt um, in 2019. And I won double gold at the Nogi Worlds and I was making zero on uh, sponsorships a month. Zero. I like could not get a company to pay me. And I was like doing extremely well. I had a social following. Like I just couldn't do it. Um, Gordon Ryan was posting something in his stories about like athletes making money. I literally just DM'd him. And I was like, hey, I have this question. I don't know what to ask for. I don't know. He has been one of the most influential people. Like say what you want. He's crazy, whatever. You know, he says some crazy stuff. He was just one of the only people who was ever straightforward and like, look, this is what people normally make. This is what you should ask for. This is what I think you should tell this person or that person because of my experience with them. This is how you do it ethically so you're not screwing people over, but like, this is what you should say. And it was so helpful. Now, I will say, like, he knows this because I've told him this, not everybody is that open. I've had people literally just like be like, oh, no, I'm not willing to discuss that. But that's the shoot your shot part. I'm mm. willing to ask to give the information because I know that I want to help other athletes do that. So I want to find out as much as I can, do as well as I can, and then help other athletes do the same. So the way that he reached out to me and was like, I'm just going to make myself available. What can I do? Yeah. Um, now has been able, other people have seen what he's done. And I've had other athletes come and be like, hey, can I just come train for a while? And then those things start to develop. So like education, but education through people who have already been successful, yeah. you know, and that is the interesting thing in jujitsu and a lot of sports, you can't do that. We're small enough now still where you can um, really reach out to the people that are already doing well. And right. the big thing is like exchanging something. Like, for example, like when I went to California, it wasn't like, hey, Kendall, can I come to California? You can teach me everything and I'm yeah. just going to train. It's like, no, like this, listen, like I yeah. teach, I've been teaching kids since I'm 12 years yeah. old. Like, you know what? I'm gonna like run your kids program, like I'm gonna run your kids camp, but at the same time, like, like you know, can you help, help mentor me? me and what can I do to help you? Yeah. Even even when I do super fights, like this is so huge and something that really bothers me with athletes is like the exchange of energy. When I do a super fight, if I'm offered a certain amount and I want more than what they're offering me, which is most of the time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is most of the time, like I'll be like, hey, this is a number I would love to get to if this is possible. But what can we do to get me here? How many posts would you like to see? Do you want me to come a day early and do extra interviews or do extra social media? Uh, do you want me to stay a day late and, and do this or that? Like, do you have, you know, a student that would like really like to do a private that I can give them a good deal on? Like all these kinds of things. It's not discounting yourself it's an exchange of energy and then once yeah. you build that relationship with the person, like once I fight on somewhere and they know that I go hard on the promo, I show up, I give a good fight, win or lose, people are tuning in, all those kinds of things, they're going to have me back and I usually don't really have to negotiate with them the second time around. Like this just happened with a recent organization. The second time they said the same number, I was like, hey, can we do this? Can we get to December? It was a yes, absolutely no problem because they know the value. So that's exactly the same thing that Jeremy is doing with me, but I was the same as him. I practiced that at the color belts. Mm -hmm, yeah. Same thing if I go and teach a seminar, I'm like, hey, do you want me to come early, stay late? What do you need? Like all those kinds of things. Because then once you get to the black belt level, you already have a good reputation. You have a good like relationship with a lot of people. People talk in jiu-jitsu. It's very small. Everyone knows everybody's stuff in jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. And it feels good. It feels right. And you get your way more often too. Yeah. You make more money. So And like it, man, it just makes it more, way more exciting. Like we were talking with uh, Professor Tom yesterday. And he, was, he said something that like really struck me. It's like, 
if you put nine years into basically anything in life, like nine years in university or nine years into whatever, you're going to make 100K a year in most things. You know, it's like, well, why not jiu-jitsu? So why in jiu-jitsu do we glamorize being broke? Yeah, People like, are like, oh, yeah, I, I do this. I, I barely get to eat. Like, and I'm it's living like, with 15 guys in one room. It's like... That's not cool. Mm. Like, it's cool that, that you're- That doesn't inspire yeah. students to want to do it too, you know? Yeah. Like, if you want your students to aspire to open a school or to be athletes, like, that makes them be like, oh, heck no, I'm going to go back to university like my mom that, said. Yeah, that's cool if it's like the origin story that you eventually yes. get out of. It's like that exactly. one that, you know, I started from having nothing, you know, eating the tin of beans yeah. and now I'm here. But if it's just like, yeah, just stay there the forever bottom. and just dedicated, like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's like- you know, like Professor Kendall talks a lot about it, about like, man, like, let's make shit so cool by like, you know, making money from it. Mm. And it's like, you know what? If I go to a fight and I'm doing all these things to promote the fight, well, it makes me more excited to fight as well. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, more people want to watch me, but it's like, cool, I just did all this press and now I'm like, I'm super hyped to go like compete. And it just makes everything more fun. It makes, all the exchanges better and it just yeah, and you don't have to be a jerk to gain traction i think yeah. a lot of people think that too like you have to be the the bad guy or be crazy and that's one way absolutely and no hate on that if that's how you make your money that's cool but i don't really it doesn't feel authentic to me i don't really mm. like it so there's other ways you can do it like i already know jeremy like that's not his style either but i know how he operates within relationships and i know that he'll be able to be successful as a result it's like if you're willing to give like that always comes back around it may not even be immediately right mm -hmm. like you may do 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 a lot a lot a lot it's always going to come back and i think that's something that young athletes forget a lot and or they just don't think about it or no one has advised them um or they don't really love what they do so it doesn't feel good you know to give 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 and i'm not talking about being taken advantage of or doing a lot of unpaid work forever yeah. or like all that kind of thing it has to be like reasonable but where that like that part means that you need to be with people you trust yeah. you know and like people are not going to take advantage of you like with him coming with me he knows there's an exchange i'm not just gonna be like yeah work for free forever that's great thank you i know you like teaching so you can just keep doing that you know there's got to be a trust and a relationship mm. and that comes with trial and error too and intuition and following your gut yeah. and you also can't like you can't be afraid to fail like you're gonna fail it's gonna happen you know like you can always change your mind that's my favorite <laughs> catchphrase of my whole life you can always change your mind he could always go back to canada and be like yeah. you know what? i'm gonna go to school like i don't want to do this anymore yeah or go back to texas or move here or like you know he, you could always change your mind so and, like, no time is wasted you're always learning you also have to have the confidence of like you know what like yeah i might be a call belt you know i might not be like you know the the best in the world or the you know the the pedro marino double gold mogi black belt world champ but it's like you know what i'm gonna teach a decent kids class so you mm -hmm. know what listen i'll go help you out with the kids class but now, can you teach me how to become the best version of myself so that one day I can make and do a little bit of what you're doing right now? Yeah. And I think that's like the big part of like, you know, people, they kind of look up to certain people because like they, they make money off like talking shit and all this shit and all this stuff. It's like, man, damn, they like, you know, jiu-jitsu is about being a good person as well. Yeah, and gain yeah. skills and leverage them. You don't have to have the coolest triangle in the world. Yeah. Whatever skills you have, like some people are better in business than they are in jiu-jitsu and they do really, really well financially. Yeah. And so that's another example. When you say like, oh, where does that come from? How accessible is it? Like another thing is get passionate or interested. If, you, if you're not, if you don't have it over here yet, get passionate over here. Go do some research on podcasts. Build a great podcast. Build a great YouTube channel. Like build, do some merch. Like, like there's so many... You know, or if you're the greatest kids coach in the world, do uh, privates or uh, consulting on how to be a kids instructor. There are so many avenues. So get passionate about something else while this keeps cooking over here, yeah. you know, and then exchange that with people. Maybe this person needs help with their kid. Like I really needed help running summer camps. I, we run great schools, but that was something that we lacked in summer camps and things like that. So, Hey, teach me this. And then let me teach you more about takedowns or whatever, you know, it's like not always perfectly. I needed a lot of help. <laughs> and it's not perfectly clear cut like that all the yeah, time, yeah. but it, it's also defined laid out right. like that and you, yes. see, yeah. you see it when you look back right you see yeah. it more when you look back but if there's the trust and the energy exchange like mm -hmm. of information it's always going to work out you know yeah. well it's funny it's, it's almost like just like on the mats as a mentorship in that year under your professor it's like that as well as 
you guys are talking about here yeah. as as athletes both coming up together, learning whether that's, you know, the business side of things, the marketing kind right. of self-promotion yeah. kind of things, how to just how to manage your money when you're making it, how to yes. manage when you're not yeah. making yes. it, you know. It's like, yeah, like, okay, like now I'm like to the point where like, okay, it's like now I have these tools to, you know, I know a little bit on how to make money. Okay, well, now I'm going to start making money, but how do I make sure on the long term, I can keep making money. Mm. And that's yeah. like the big thing. I have a good friend of mine I was talking to the other day who was making some money off of super fights, like, and this is a little bit new, newer for him. I was like, you have a savings account? Like, you should open a savings account. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but in, yeah. in not in a patronizing way. It's yeah. more of just like, no one's ever told you to yeah, do this. Yeah. I had really, I had very business savvy parents. And so I had a lot of help when you talk about access and education, stuff like that. I had a lot of help and I still have a lot of help from my parents. I'm 24 and I talk to my mom about this stuff all the time. So I'm very lucky, which is why I want to help other athletes too, who don't have that. But when people are not informed about this stuff growing up or their parents are not really involved in their finances or maybe they're not close or whatever, um, their co- or their coach is not in- informed. No one tells them, Hey, you know, put away like 30% of what you're making if you can, or as much as you can, because what's going to happen in like, down in like August of 2022, when you have an injury and you can't fight for three months and you have no money, mm-hmm. you know, and, or like open a, an account online with like an investment. You don't have to know anything about investments. Just put a hundred dollars a month in there. If you start now, it's going to have such incredible compounding interest rather than starting in 35 years when you get married or 30 years yeah. or sorry, in 30, when you're 30 years old or 35 and you're getting married and now your wife's like, Hey, we should probably start, you know, a Vanguard account or whatever, like, you know, starting those kinds of things we're not taught as athletes. And yeah. I think a lot of really professional sports have people hired to kind of help people manage their finances mm-hmm. and things like that. Jiu-Jitsu, we're not at that level, but rather than moaning and complaining about it, we can take ownership of the responsibility of that and help each other and talk about it more. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's definitely coming. It's like professor talked like example yesterday during a seminar, she, she talks a lot about like, you know, there's the professor job and there's the student job as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing as an athlete. It's like, there's all the tools you need out there, but you have to go get them. And it's yeah. like, that's a lot of times what people are forgetting. It's like, man. We live like, in the age of Google. Yeah. My God. Just Google <laughs> We yeah. live in the age of the internet. Like we have all the information. Is it hard? And do I get lazy about us? Of course. Like I'm like, yeah, I know I could Google this, but I don't feel like doing it right now. But then in five years, I'm going to be like, man, I should have started that account. Yeah. I should have done this. I should have done that. And I know that I've had that feeling before. So now I'm a little bit less, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. less prone to, yeah. to putting things off. Yeah. And now it gives you the great opportunity to help those kind of like Jeremy, like your friends uh, and, yeah. and, you know, being able to say, hey, do you have a savings account and not say it patronizingly yes. because you've been there and then it's been like, oh, well, you've you seen it. other people there and like, yeah. you know how important it is. For sure. Yeah. We could talk honestly for another hours and stuff <laughs> easily, but uh, I want, we've already hit an hour there, but I want to, uh, I wanted to ask Jeremy about Gracie Baja because you've not always come up in Gracie Baja, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of as a closing up kind of thing. How has it been going from like, a, I'm not sure if it was a different affiliate, but was, uh, kind of into towards Gracie Baja and the culture there. Yeah, so I started with Team Hansel Gracie. Uh, I was there for almost 11 years. Uh, and then I switched and at first we weren't too sure like, you know, what team we were gonna be. And when we decided to be Gracie Baja, there was like multiple reasons why, <laughs> you know, the, the big one was like, we wanted to we wanted to make a bang. And, <laughs> you know, Gracie Baja is the biggest team in the world, you know, at the time was still is the number one ranked team in the world. And it, it was really cool to be able to use the resources of Gracie Baja. Like, you know, example, like I, I've been Gracie Baja since January, 2019. So still like, Still very green in Gracie Baja. We met um, a month later, right? It's crazy yeah. how those things happen. I'm, you know, I spent like a year like kind of teaching, we're like growing, and like what happened was that my first year in Gracie Baja, I, you know, I went to, uh, I fought this guy's name was Luca Ramachi. He was the number one ranked blue belt at the time, and uh, you know he beat me. It was like a fifty big 50-50 match, and he basically, you know, he beat me two nothing. I just couldn't get out of fifty fifty because I didn't have like enough training partners to put me in that position to, to hit that, that, you know, that technical side apart. So like right away, I like used the resources of Gracie Baja. I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go. I was like sleeping in my car. I went to Montreal and I was training with like Professor Glenn and Professor Bruno. They helped me out a lot. And then after that, well, Gracie Baja is so amazing because there's so many resources with it. You know, not just like as an athlete, but as an instructor and like every side of Gracie Baja, like I, you know, I talk about it a lot. It's but, <laughs> You know, it's like 
there's a lot of resources and example like I went to the camp when my camp what, what happened basically was like I went to Europeans and then after that my professor was supposed to go he couldn't go so I was like you know what I'm just gonna put all my money and I'm gonna go to this camp and I'm gonna meet a bunch of these people like I'm gonna meet these top guys like you know that's where one I month after they changed teams yeah like right like, away right away and it was like okay well now let's I, I like you know the pandemic hadn't hit yet and it was really just to create those connections so that like, yeah, I'm in Ottawa, but let's say, you know what, I want to go spend a week in Houston. Well, now I have the connections to go to Houston. I have that network to be able uh, to go to these places. And uh, that camp, like I can't say enough about that camp, like Grace, the Gracie Baja Adventure Camp. There's one coming up in March. Like so cool. it's super expensive. But every it's single, for, it's expensive pe- for yeah. broke athletes. Let's the, do it again. It's not expensive it's, for like people with jobs. Yeah, it's not. It's not that. Exp- it's not. It's it's not even that expensive. Like <laughs> it's, it's really it's not crazy. Really expensive. It's like, it's, not like <laughs> it's like you look at the price and like your first idea is like, oh shit. But then it's like every single penny is worth it. Like you get to not just train with these people and learn with like these high level athletes, but you get to like. Like, I was sitting down eating dinner with Professor Humble Hall. Like, <laughs> I was, like, watching him when I was a kid on YouTube and, like, fantasy. And I was like, man, this guy's so cool. And now I'm, like, eating dinner with him, like, yeah. spending time with him. And it, Gracie Baja, like, helped me build such a strong network of people to not just help me, but, you know, to help the entire team and get better as a team. Yeah. And, like, you know, I look at where Ottawa is now. Now we have, like, you know, one of the biggest growing teams in, you know, in Canada, in Ontario at least. And... Those connections were made because, like, Just massively supported. Yeah, you know, it's like I can't thank Grace Bot enough. Like, you have a family. So like, it sounds so cliche. But you have a yeah. family everywhere. When yeah. I travel and do seminars, I do seminars at all kinds of schools. But any time I walk into a GB school, like I'm yeah. immediately at home. People, yeah. I have immediate family. I don't know exactly what it is. Like I mm. couldn't put a word on it. But it's you know you have shared values. You know you have yeah. a shared experience on the mat. We teach the same. Yeah. We have certain kinds of people fit into GB schools and certain people, this is not, you know, where they want to be and that's okay. But that, but jujitsu for everyone is, is GB's slogan, but it's jujitsu for everyone who wants to be in this kind of environment, who fits yeah. in this kind of environment. And if you don't, that's absolutely okay. But what it creates is an environment where you know you have support with like-minded people anywhere yeah. you go in the world. It's very special. It's yeah. like the, the old saying, the organized like team fighting like family. It's true. It's you like, feel that when you go yeah. other places. You know, like, for example, like, we've been to, like, I don't know how many different Greasy Bottle schools in the last, like, two weeks. <laughs> but, like, every every time you walk in, it's, like, it's almost, you know, everyone's yeah. forever. Yeah. You know? And, Immediately. You know, it's not because we're wearing the same patches. It's because mm-hmm. of how Greasy Baja is built and the way Greasy Baja works. And, you know, it's it's really... It's, a, it's an amazing team. You know? Well, I say, you know, like, yeah, obviously you guys stayed with me and my, and my mum last night. And even if it wasn't, you know, you, Kendall, and, and you, Jeremy, like guys who obviously are well-known like in the community, if it's just some some random Gracie Baja coming over and messages yeah. like, hey, do you need a place to stay? Like, we're going out to dinner. It's like, That's, you just like look after each yeah, other. Yeah, same thing. I, yeah. Like, I had a little bit of traction, but most people said, you know, I had won some stuff, but I was like, just some like purple belt girl, you know, mm. coming. And, and I'm like, everywhere I went, like do you need a place like do you want to stay here let me show you this let me take you out and show you my city like yeah. just incredible so yeah. yeah that's amazing well um let's call it there i'd love to do another one with you jeremy yeah. you know it's, just, it's always hard on these because it's like you could easily go like three yeah. hours to yeah, try and sure. so obviously try and condense someone's life and thoughts yeah. into a small segment isn't really fair on them but, <laughs> <laughs> but we do what we can and yeah, i thought it was a really really fun yeah, episode. Awesome. So i think um, we got a lot of interesting knowledge out there yeah. i think i messed up the camera for like the first 10 minutes but hopefully i'll yeah, be able right. to fix it um and kendall when we wanted to save your voice for <laughs> <we're not laughs> sure how we did that but um I got too excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, when you're a little less busy, we'll we'll, um, we will. we'll sort we'll something out and um, we can find we'll out. We'll deep dive more into I don't about Kendall's story finances and jujitsu. Yeah, That's yeah. like when we start talking there, I go, oh gosh, yeah, yeah, I got a lot to say. You get excited. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, thank you so much. It was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, guys. See you next time.